1: We may have just started 2019, but the race for 2020 is already in full swing. The democratic field is already getting crowded and the biggest names are still on the sidelines. But will Trump's biggest opponent be the constant state of chaos facing
2: his White House?
1: Right now, this is the State of America.
2: I'm going to run for president of the United States. I'm running for president of the United States.
3: I am a candidate for president of the United States of America.
0: Today, I announced an exploratory committee for president of the United States.
2: The Democratic field for the 2020 presidential election getting more crowded, seemingly by the day.
1: Long time, Donald Trump associate and informal advisor Roger Stone has been arrested and indicted by a grand jury. This is something that has to do solely with that individual and um, not something that affects us here in this building.
3: Any error I made in my testimony would be both immaterial and without intent.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Baldwin in New York. To our viewers watching around the world, this is State of America, In quite a state we are in right now. Just this week, Donald Trump officially passed the halfway point of his first term as president. But make no mistake, he's been angling to win a second term since the day he got elected. Literally, he filed the paperwork for his re-election campaign the same day he was inaugurated, the first U.S. president to do so.
3: Our new slogan, when we start running in, can you believe it, two years from now, is going to be, keep America
4: great, exclamation point.
1: And to put an exclamation point on it, that was March of 2018 when he was already announcing his his re-election slogan. Anyway, so he's clearly running. But who's running against him? It's not yet February, and already nine Democrats have thrown their hat into the ring. And while the eventual field is anything but clear right now, the one thing there is out there is quite clear, is that Democrats this cycle think it is never too early to take on Donald Trump. Now, make no mistake... This wall
0: is dumb, but it serves the president's purposes, turning people against people, particularly against people of color.
2: He has inspired a hate and a darkness in this country that I have never witnessed.
1: With this first batch of candidates to announce, there comes the potential of a lot of important firsts Take California Senator Kamala Harris. She was the first woman to be district attorney in San Francisco when, when she started her career. She's also the first black woman attorney general of California. And she's currently the only black woman in the Senate. And she would be the first woman and first woman of color to be president if elected.
2: My parents were very active in the civil rights movement. And that's the language um, that I grew up hearing.
1: Then there is William Castro. He's a former mayor in Texas who was the youngest member of President Obama's cabinet. His twin brother represents their home state in Congress, just a fun fact. Castro would be the first Hispanic president if elected. And he's already using his family's immigrant story as a contrast against President Trump.
0: No matter what the color of your skin is, where you come from, you should count. We need to get back to that in this country. If I'm president, that's what I'm going to do.
1: And another announcement this week is a name that is far from a household name right now. It's also a name that is both hard to spell and hard to say. His name is Pete Buttigieg. He's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, my home state. Another fun fact. A state president, Trump won in 2016 by nearly 20 points. Buttigieg would be the first gay married man to occupy the White House if elected. He'd be the first veteran of the war in Afghanistan to be president. He'd also be the first to go straight from a city hall to to the Oval Office, and he is only 37 years old, something that he has made quite clear will be a centerpiece of his campaign.
0: We're the generation that lived through school shootings, that served in the wars after 9-11, and we're the generation that stands to be the first to make less than our parents unless we do something different. There's a new generation of voices emerging in our country, walking away from the politics of the past and ready to deliver on our priorities.
1: So why did all of these candidates jump in so early? Well, it's all about money, folks. When you have low name ID, which is basically people around the country don't know who you are with the American public, you need to get in before the big names do to have any chance of raising enough cash to survive all the way to the first votes that are in February of next year. And who does that then leave in the undecided column? A whole heck of a lot of people, actually. Some names that you may have heard of before, too, like former Vice President Joe Biden, former presidential candidate Bernie Sanders, former Texas Senate candidate Beto O'Rourke, who took the Democratic Party by storm, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who's flirted with this idea of running in the past, and current New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, another rising star in the party. Will they all jump in the race? Nobody knows for sure. But they definitely do not sound like they are not running right now, that's for sure. Biden certainly sounding like a candidate this week making a promise that we hear every election cycle. He's going to reach out his hand. He has a promise to work with the other side.
2: I read in New York Times today that I, uh, that one of my problems is if I were to run for president uh, I like Republicans. Okay, well bless me father if I have sinned. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, but you know, from where I, where I come from, I don't know how you get anything done. I don't know how you get anything done As so we start talking to one another again.
1: Good luck with that one in 2020. And Bernie Sanders, the 2019 version, seems to be channeling the 2016 version quite a bit, not holding back one bit in his attacks on President Trump.
0: Today we talk about justice and today we talk about racism. And I must tell you, it gives me no pleasure To tell you that we now have a president of the United States who is a racist.
1: And remember, he hasn't even formally announced that he's running yet. And that's what he's saying. So buckle up, my friends. I'm actually serious this time. I know what you are thinking. After President Trump surprised everyone with his victory in 2016, can anyone beat him in 2020 after four years in the office? Conventional wisdom and history honestly tells us that the incumbent always has the advantage. They have the power of the office, they have the bully pulpit. In recent presidential contests in the last four decades, only two presidents have lost their reelection bid. But again, Donald Trump is anything but conventional. And I am already getting the sense, and I think you are as well, that this campaign will be very much the same. Anything but conventional. So let the games begin. And also coming up for us then, what does this democratic field so far mean? for the 2020 race. What are the issues we're going to be talking about? What are the people we're going to be talking about? Who has the advantage and who's likely to be President Trump's biggest target? The panel's next. Donald Trump has been gearing up for a re-election battle since the day he won the presidency. But who will he face next year before any Democrat has that chance to actually need to beat the rest of the Democrats. They need to win a primary first. How bruising of a battle is that gonna be? Let's have some insight tonight. The panel with me, Doug High is here. He's a CNN political commentator, a former communications director for the Republican National Committee. Joe Lockhart is a CNN political commentator and former White House press secretary for President Bill Clinton. Sabrina Siddiqui is the politics reporter for The Guardian. And Matt Gorman is a former communications director for the House Republican campaign arm. Okay, 2020, it's all about the Democrats right now. Sorry, President Trump. In what you see in the Democrats out there now, What does it tell you? What does it say to you? What do you see?
4: Uh, You see people who have come out and announced uh, uh, Kamala Harris this week, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand the week before. They get a nice burst of publicity and then they seem to recede. Fluidity is the word here. You just you don't know. Two days ago, Michael Bennett, a little known senator from Colorado, no one was talking about. He gives this fiery speech on the floor of the Senate and stands up to Ted Cruz. And now everybody's talking about him running for president, and he's not denying it. Um, Everybody in the Senate uh, and the Democrats wants to be president. In fact, every senator thinks (laughs) of (laughs) themselves as Republican or Democrat. Um, We're still a ways away from this starting to shake out and people engaging amongst each other that are in. They're mostly focusing uh, on the state of the country, you know, their plans. Um, and I don't know where it engages first.
1: Where do you think, if, it, if, it's, if it's anyone's game at this point, what's your gut on kind of how this is going to play out? Right now, all you see is everyone's eyes on Donald Trump or what their plan is to take the country back to this beautiful time that they, everyone, everyone likes to describe in their campaign. But at some point, they need to make a distinction between them and the rest of the field, and it's going it's to be crowded.
5: Yeah, fortunately for, for all the candidates, they, they have a lot of time to try and define themselves mm-hmm. before their opponents try and do that for them. But which that, is key. that is eventually going to happen. And we should remember what happened in 2016 with the Republicans. We spent a lot of time debating on which Republican candidate filled this lane or that lane. Mm-hmm. And along came Donald Trump and said there's only going to be one lane. That's probably not going to happen this time. But if we focus so much on who's going to be the woman candidate, who's going to be the establishment candidate, who's going to be the outsider candidate... We may be surprised by all of the reactions this, by Democratic You actually voters.
1: raise a perfect question that I am wondering in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald Trump changed the game in 2016. Yeah. But did he change the game permanently or just he, did he change the game when Donald Trump's a candidate? I think he
3: changed the game in that he was authentic. I think if people try and be Donald Trump, they'll fall on their face.
1: However authentic Donald Trump, whichever Donald Trump you're talking to at he, that second.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. But he, you could clearly see he was not trying to be Jeb Bush, certainly. He wasn't trying to be Marco. He, he was himself in a very real way. I think if people get up there and try and do boisterous things on Twitter, mm-hmm. like we've seen it with in the uh, Republicans in the late stages of 2016, Marco tried to be Trump. Uh, yeah. Jeb try to be fiery. It doesn't work. And he'd come off as a phony. I think if, if Democrats try to do that, it's going to really backfire on them.
2: And I think that's a really important point, because one thing that Democrats cannot allow themselves to do is get into this trap where the terms are very much dictated by President Trump. Mm-hmm. And he already will in many ways continue to define the narrative because he has a tendency to soak up all of the attention and it's important for democrats to stay laser focused as they did for example leading up to the midterm they did a successfully on their own yeah, messaging right. where they were laser focused on pre-existing conditions and they did not get swept up in trump's talk around about the caravan and immigration They also need to run on a lot more than just an anti-Trump message. They're going to have to make clear that they have something to offer rather than just framing their entire candidacy around the so-called resistance. Well, that's
1: really important. And 2018 is a good example of what they need to Mm -hmm. maybe mirror. You know that all too well, Matt. But I do wonder when it comes to 2020, can they maintain that midterm election different than a presidential?
3: Absolutely. It has to be, I think, a balance. You certainly want somebody... I think who's going to embody kind of the new liberal agenda, possibly in many eyes of the left be the new Ronald Reagan of liberalism. But they also need to be able to take the fight to Trump. It's not only enough to say that you can beat Donald Trump. You need to stand for something. I think that's why we've seen Warren and others really come out with a very strong progressive agenda. Um, And I think that's going to be a key.
1: And to that point, I'm already hearing uh, many a Republican talking about how the Democrats that are in, they're painting the Democratic field as radically, radically left, radically liberal, Medicare for all, abolish ICE, immigration, immigration and customs enforcement. Are you concerned, Joe, at all that the Democrat to emerge from the primary because of the way primary system is set up, that they will have been pushed too far left?
4: So I think you always worry, as a Democrat or a Republican, that there mm-hmm. becomes a race to the right or a yeah, race yeah, to yeah. the left. Right. I don't think, um, I'm not that worried about that this time. I think we have a varied feel. Um, I, the most interesting thing that I've seen so far is, and it goes to Matt's point, is everyone is trying to appear authentic. Um, I've seen, I love li- trying
1: to appear authentic. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Welcome to politics. I, I've, I've I'm seen so al- real. I've now I'm seen Elizabeth a robot, Warren yes. drink a beer. I've now seen uh, Kamala, Harris, Ka- Ka- Kamala Harris dance. We saw uh, Beto
1: O'Rourke in a dentist appointment. And, uh, yes, yeah. he has not in TMI. Exactly. That, that, that <laughs> might be the most yeah. extreme.
4: But I think what uh, one of the lessons the Democrats have learned from Trump is people want to know you. They yeah. want to know who you are, who your family is, what you stand for. It's not enough to do, I think, what Hillary Clinton did, which was to lay out a very strong intellectual base for where you want to take the country. So I think you're going to see a lot of these Democrats uh, uh, demonstrating their personality Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that's very different, and that's a little bit of Trump.
2: And when we talk about some of these progressive priorities, I do think it's worth noting that some of the public polling suggests that there actually is sufficient support for Medicare for all. Some of these... Yeah. More populist economic on proposals turns out do well right, yeah. among the American public. And we've looked at, for example, at the state level, if you've left it to voters to raise the minimum wage, they've done it even in conservative states like Arkansas. They've similarly expanded background checks even in some of these more moderate Is states. Is
1: Donald Trump going to face a primary challenge?
5: A very, very small one, if so.
1: Okay. The party's moving
5: to block it anyways.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, Doug High. Your lips to God's ears, or something like that. I don't know. Stand by. we got much more to come. Still, it is, the fir- it is a first in the special counsel's Russia investigation. The first indictment dealing with WikiLeaks and stolen Democratic emails, and the first indication that the Mueller team believes Team Trump knew about the hacks. Our panel's going to weigh in on that next.
0: Roger Stone, the president's longtime political advisor, placed under arrest. What's your reaction?
1: Uh, Look, my first reaction is uh, real simple. This has nothing to do with the president and certainly nothing to do with the White House. That was White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders, the first reaction, really, from the president's team to a blockbuster indictment of longtime Trump associate Roger Stone. The Trump ally was arrested Friday morning in an early morning raid by the FBI, charged with lying to federal officials, obstruction of justice and witness tampering. Federal prosecutors say that he was coordinating with Trump officials about WikiLeaks, stolen emails, the same WikiLeaks that U.S. intelligence has leaked to Russian hackers who stole emails from the Democratic mm. Committee and Hillary Clinton's aides, just to walk down memory lane for a second. So what does this mean for the president, though, now? Let us find out. Doug hi. look into your crystal ball. This means real legal trouble for Roger Stone, no question. Sure. Nixon salute or not that he offered up when he was leaving the federal courthouse. What does this mean for President Trump?
4: Uh,
5: It it means the water that he's in has continued to get hotter and that circle continues to get smaller. But I think the telling thing that that we we saw this morning wasn't from the arrest, but the reaction afterwards Mm. uh, and the language that we heard. Very specifically, uh, Sarah Sanders would talk about this individual. She really didn't want to call him Mm -hmm. Mr. Stone. That tells us about how the White House is going to react to this moving forward. Mm -hmm. Roger Stone keeps saying that he will not testify against the president, he doesn't say against the campaign or officials. The president, and he says that they, that would require him to bear false witness. And the you know the biblical right. nature of this aside, it means that what he is signaling is, Mr. President, there are directions that I can go here. And if I'm Paul Manafort or Carter Page or or Rick Gates or somebody like that, I'm even more worried. And certainly, I can send that message to Donald Trump that you might want to take care of me. Also troubling.
1: Well- <laughs> also, also um, one thing that he's not going to be able to do, the president's not going to be able to do, is to call him a coffee boy or say that he doesn't. Roger Stone is not close to him. They have known each other for a very long time. We do know that. What is not in the charges, what is not in the indictment, Joe, is anything related to conspiracy or collusion in the, in the non-legal sense. And Roger Stone's attorney, he made the point to note that in their statement after the indictment came out, and says that this vindicates Roger Stone. I mean, when it comes to Stone and Trump, when you talk about the whole issue of conspiracy, does he have a point?
4: He has a point. If Moer was, if Mueller said, "I'm done. I'm not doing anything else." Right, um, right. It, it, To say it has nothing to do with the White House or the president is is absolutely wrong. It has everything to do. This is the crux of the issue. Did they coordinate? Was WikiLeaks the cutout to coordinate between the Russians and the, and the Trump campaign? And the most significant part about the uh, indictment is they make very clear that someone in the campaign, and we know earlier that someone is Steve Bannon, was directed to talk to by another senior aide. Well, Steve Bannon was running the campaign. So who else would he take directions from if not the candidate?
2: And that was actually one of the most damning revelations from this indictment. Mm -hmm. We already knew that Roger Stone had boasted about his contacts with WikiLeaks, which was the conduit for publishing these emails that were hacked, by the Russians from both the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta. We now see evidence of communications between Stone and an intermediary that also included Stone reporting back to a senior Trump campaign Mm -hmm. official. So there does seem to be some advanced knowledge within the campaign that these leaks were coming. And a big question will be since Roger Stone is, at least informally, one of the president's longest serving political advisors, what, if anything, did he tell then candidate Trump about his activities? Yeah, I mean,
3: go ahead. No, and I think just in a broader sense. So earlier this week, we were talking about the shutdown. I think now, obviously, everybody's talking about Roger Stone. And so as the president announces for re-election. He's in a tough enough time, as we talked about before, running against these Democrats. His poll numbers are already sinking down. The Mueller report can upend any day any time for President Trump and it's going to only make it harder for him to run and a- run as uh, strongly as he can for re-election especially his numbers are already
1: down well but also but you make it interesting you, you raise an interesting, interesting point to this point every time there is and there's been so many incremental developments in this that I, I really believe that people's eyes glaze over maybe that's by design from some people but maybe not maybe it's just the nature of a, an exhaustive investigation but every time we hear someone tells me Kate it's baked in no matter what comes out, Trump's people who support Trump say it's a witch hunt. People who have already, everyone's passed judgment already. Does this, the fact that this is different, Doug, in that it's the first time that we've seen an indict, in, in, in indictment in, in that that with the WikiLeaks and the DNC, it's the first time you're seeing a connection between a Trump campaign official and Roger Stone to this whole situation. The first time they're connect, suggesting that. Does is this different? Does this change things?
5: It certainly can change things. So ultimately, we'll need to figure that out as this process moves along. Yeah. But look, candidates want to talk about what they want to talk about and they want to make sure that their opponent talks about what they don't want to talk about. So the whether this is something that comes from Roger Stone, whether it's something that comes from the Senate Intel Committee um, um, investigation that they're continuing to do, something's going to come up that is going to take Donald Trump off message. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, how long will Donald Trump be off message? We know that he's very good in picking off-topic messages to distract us, but what happens when it's an off-topic message that he doesn't choose?
2: And I think that uh, while Republican voters may believe that this is baked in and they buy into the president's argument that it's a witch hunt, those independent voters who swung in Trump's favor in 2016 they may look at this, and they may decide to give Democrats another look. Certainly, if there's one thing that is true, and we saw some of this in the midterms, they are very frustrated yeah, yeah, that yeah. the president yeah. has been unable to get out from under this cloud that is the yeah. Russia investigation. In part because he himself is so fixated. Can't stop focusing on He Can't stop focusing on it. it. On
1: and, it. And, yeah.
4: and remember, just going back to history, Richard Nixon's base stayed with him mm-hmm. to yeah. the very, very end. It is, you know, it is one of those things where the, you know, you can keep. You know, putting Mm -hmm. your finger in the dam, and at some point it washes over you. But I want to go back to to the WikiLeaks thing for a second. You know, you have to believe in an unbelievable coincidence that hours after the Access Hollywood tape came out, the worst moment of the campaign for Trump, when the head of the RNC said you have to get out of the race, Mm -hmm. that's how bad it was. Hours, all of a sudden WikiLeaks dumped something. That suggests active coordination. And if we to tie the two things together, if Mueller gets at that, then I think even the base looks at this and says you know, wait a second. But Stone alone, I don't think impacts the base. It's the
3: perfect DC scandal in that people think they're in House of Cards when they're really playing along with Veep. Mm -hmm. They think it's much more sophisticated than it is, but it really isn't. And to your point, absolutely, 2020 is gonna be a choice to state the obvious. And, you know, President Trump certainly benefited from that choice when he was running against Hillary Clinton. Maybe he'll benefit from it this time if he runs against someone who's gone way far left in the primaries, but again, this is going to be a problem for independent voters. In- independent voters in states, he only won by tens of thousands of votes. There's not a lot of margin for error.
1: Yeah, and one thing is for sure. when, If when the Mueller report comes out and if when the public gets to see it, it's going to factor in this race one way or the other, as it should factor in the national conversation. Put politics in a presidential race aside. Great to see you guys. Another amazing week here. That's the State of America this week. Be sure to listen to our podcast. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. We will see you back here next week.